Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal score gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So at the risk of repeating myself, lads, Crow Park is going to be half full um, this weekend for Dublin and Mead, right? We are not going to spend too much time talking about this because <laughs> yeah. we're talking about... So they're expecting 40,000 for Leinster final. Um, last year's final was 41,728 against Leash, which I'm very surprised that Dublin and Mead can't... I know this is just the Leinster Council predicting. You'd imagine they would predict a bit higher on the side for not to have this bad PR, right? They would hardly be predicting on the lower end of the scale, would they? <laughs> Are they going exactly, exactly honestly? So, like, I mean, that's obviously disappointing. And here's some quotes from John Horan last week. And I, I meant to talk about this last week. Or I don't know when we were talking, but I only saw the quotes when we came out of the show. And we've complimented John Horan a lot on the show here recently. And he's going to try and fix the fixtures, fix all the structure. They have a blank canvas to work with. There's no restrictions on what they can do. All fantastic stuff. And his legacy probably will be maybe restructuring this championship, bringing in a tier two um, and all those kind of things. But here, this, see, he's a true blue dub, John Horn, and sometimes he can't hide this and he can't yeah. just shake that off. And the GA president should not be speaking like Vinnie Murphy or Keith Barr. Like, <laughs> I mean, Redmond, yeah. well, let's be honest, like these lads are columnists, but they're true blue dubs yeah. and they're, they're completely uh, blinkered and they're not objective. And that's fine. They're right for the Evening Herald. That's probably what the readership want. And most low Local columnists are biased yeah, towards their team. To, yeah. That you want them to be biased. But anyways, it's just that the Evening Herald gets some national coverage on the Independent, and then suddenly they've national coverage. Anyways, if anyone, this is John Horan. If anyone made a close examination of the Dublin senior teams, you'd find out that an awful lot of the work that's going on into the underage structure is being done by voluntary people and not by the paid coaches. Dublin's success, a lot of it based on voluntary effort and a games programme. Yeah, we do have the paid coaches going into schools and that is a benefit. But that, but that project is 50% funded by the clubs. Schools are the predominant area in which the paid coaches work and they, wor- and they work not alone in hurling and football but in camogie and ladies football as well. Um, and then he starts talking about the decline in attendances and which he comes out with an outlandish thing saying you get these fluctuations in my term as chairman of Leinster Council in hurling attendance or in my time as chairman of Leinster hurling uh, of the Leinster Council the hurling attendances were small and this weekend we have two sellouts in Parnell Park (laughs) which is (laughs) 10,000 for a do or die game and Wexford Park like I mean talking about but uh, for him to try and say right that's grand to get a lot of volunteers working but who gets them working? Who organises this? The paid coaches, mm, the, mm-hmm. the games development officers, that's their job. Their job, and yes, they go into the schools, 
but they also work in the clubs at weekends and they're organising the Sunday morning coaching and they're getting parents involved. Not just any parent, which I see happening in Port Leach a lot, ex-player yeah, parents. Yeah. And that's their job to out there and get these people involved. So how John Horan cannot admit that they got a huge leg up and now the Leinster Championship is a mess. Why can't he just admit that? Yeah. And like, I do not like that separating the schools and clubs. The reason that these GPUs are in schools is to get people to play for clubs. Yeah. Not just going into school yeah. and coaching and going home again. Like Every club is actually assigned a certain number of schools that's looked after by a GPU who's representing that club. To and get them into those clubs. Yeah, like, that's the point of it. Like, yeah. you know, so it's not mm. just for the benefit of coaching people, it's to keep like the GA growing. That's obviously been the plan, to grow the GA in and Dublin. And then organising the underage structures in the clubs, mm. which I don't see anybody doing in other clubs. You're hoping that you have a good volunteer that has enough time to take it on his board to canvas other members to take on teams yeah. and they don't seem to have that. A full-time <coughs> paid games development officer to run down the importance of that is just bizarre by John Horan. Yeah, and I don't think he meant it. I don't think he meant it this way but you can nearly draw the implication that like other counties, okay, Dubliner volunteers are involved and Dublin volunteers are involved in, you know, clubs and counties up and down the country and I said I don't think John Horan meant to say that but you could, you could, you know, have it that he came across that way but also like the other counties don't have the other Dublin don't have the other worries that uh, financially that other counties have. Do you know, like they have no stadium debts to be repaying. Like other counties don't have the massive sponsorship that Dublin have. Do you know, so our like travel the, expenses, our travel expenses, all that kind of taken into account. So, like as you said earlier on, there's that conflict between John Horn as as a true blue dub and trying to you know stay stay kind of loyal to that audience, but maybe kind of being a bit. Ignorant might be a bit, bit of a strong word, but kind of like unaware of what what else is going around the co- the country he, and the financial he, struggles yeah, they face. He's been disingenuous here. Yeah. Let's be honest. And he's taking you for a fool if you want mm. to read that and say, here, John, come on now. And I hate yeah. when he does that because John Horne's smart enough to know that people are, uh, don't insult people's intelligence yeah. by yeah. saying this. And it's very strange. I remember Jardif Burns on here a few months ago and you and him had a brilliant back and forward about this issue, about the amount of coaches that are being paid to go into Dublin. And he was sort of standing over it because his view is that Dublin needs to have a strong GA mm. base in the yeah. capital. So I don't know why John Horne just doesn't sort of address and say that, that and say that. Yeah. And, and yeah. you have to say, Cheddar was on the Hurling Show recently and he complimented Dublin on what they did and saw it as a huge positive for Hurling and said, I would never, ever criticise Hurling being promoted and going into the schools. That's good, but that should happen everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. why can't it just John Horne say, this was excellent what we did with Dublin. Now the move is to try and do this everywhere else. And we apologise for not doing it all at the same time. <laughs> it was a mistake. And now Leinster Championship is suffering big time because of it. And we have to take that on board. We didn't look ahead. And I'd say, John Horan, well, fair play to you. Because everybody can see yeah. what happened here. Stop this nonsense. Like, I mean, just stop that. Anyways, I want to move on from that. Talk about Stephen Rochford. It's actually a difficult show this week, lads, because we have three provincial finals on the same weekend, which, again, I don't like that planning. We'd only won last weekend, and now we have three this weekend. But anyway, and a load of qualifiers. We'd won, one, we'd one match. Do you remember us last year giving out about the exact same thing? <laughs> so I'm in the mood to give out here now. I'm just going to start that again. So Stephen Rochford, I t- saw this from Mushy McConville. He was doing some media. And again, Tomas O'Shea was doing media this week. Ushi McConville was doing media with this week. Sean Cavanagh was doing media this week. And I always wonder, why do people use 
pundits who we hear from all the time <laughs> to sell, to, you know what I mean, to promote stuff. You use someone we can't get. Yeah. Like, I mean, Jesus. But anyways, Ushi McConville, who does plenty of media, he was he was talking about um, Stephen Rochford before the the last game Mayo played, which was the Roscommon game. And he was out um, doing the warm-up. He was out on the pitch 15 minutes before putting the cones out and all this kind of thing. And I just thought, what a man Stephen Rochford is mm. to go from being the head man Almost winning in All-Ireland, on the sideline in Croke Park, drawing with Dublin, who are arguably the greatest team that's ever played the game, standing there toe-to-toe with them on three separate occasions and nearly getting over the line, to being the man who's out doing the donkey work, putting cones out. I just thought, like, I mean, this is a fellow without any ego who just happy just to stay involved and saw something in Donegal and is up there. Like, I, I don't know, just thinking from my own point of view, to go from that yeah, to being yeah. the one putting the cones out, I'd be slightly embarrassed, would you not? Yeah, no, I know not, who not. I am. I'm <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, on one hand, I was about to say, well, isn't it the coach's job to, you know, put the cones out before yeah. a game and stuff? He's but above it, putting yeah, the cones I know, out. But I know exactly what you're saying. And the thing was, like, ego was never an issue with Stephen Rochford, even when he was the main man. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned uh, you mentioned Donkey there as well. Like, it's just, that was, that was why it was all the more disappointing when somebody who had no ego and never played to anybody, never played to the media, never played to the crowds around like that was subject and I know he's involved in a high county a high profile county like Mayo but somebody with no ego and was such a kind of an ordinary kind of GEA you know personality was subject to to headlines like that when yeah. Lions led by donkeys and stuff like that and it was just it was just upsetting that he was kind of that he was drawn into it it's just like I, and I was thinking about Donegal as well I'm, and maybe we'll see it this weekend I'm not sure if I've seen a, a recognisable kind of Stephen Rochford stamp but uh, yeah. like it like well I'm going to pull you up on that okay, we'll we're going yeah. to keep this for part two Donegal I think they have Stephen Rochford written all over them I was just talking to Conan about this okay interested on. to hear about yes, that yes no. yes we, we definitely will but uh, we're going to talk about that um, Jamie Clark just another little bit of news is playing club football in London. So you could almost hear it in in Aaron Kernan's voice when we had him on the show and I was talking to him. Did I mention Jamie Clark in that interview or was I talking to him off record? Sometimes I can't remember. But (laughs) (laughs) He's very disappointed with Jamie. Obviously Jamie is playing with Armagh for the whole season but he's not going to play across McGlenn. So he's moving to London in... Uh, Neston Gales I'd never heard of them Had you? Neston yeah. Neston Heard of with Conor Harrison yeah. Conor Harrison yeah. yeah So Conor is obviously Playing with Down And he's moving over as well So that's not a bad Full forward line straight away So like I mean The big Tyr Connell Gales And Fulham Irish Are going to have to be Looking <laughs> over their shoulders There's a new kid on the block um, Yeah so Jamie very, Kind of unfortunate really When you think about The O'Neills And Cross McGlenn Coming again That Jamie's not around for it Because mm. there's another All-Ireland in that Cross McGlenn team But he's obviously you know, we know what Jamie Clark's like. He he likes football, but he likes to get away from it as yeah. well. I just I just know them from last year when they were in the final, and Connor Harrison was on a stag do. Might have been his stag do in Ibiza, and he came back. Oh yeah, for yeah. the game, and then flew back out again. So. Right. For the love of the club, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so Conair's based in London, then is he? Yeah. Right, and he just comes home from our. For that was like a, f- a five-day stag do or something, wasn't it? Yeah, they went over Thursday, like a Thursday. Yeah. Came home on the Thursday night or Friday. Played the game on the Saturday. Went back on the Saturday night. Yeah. So. You know, it was great, but like, you know, <laughs> how many people I, are able yeah. to go on a five days tag due to a beat? Yeah, and not too many inter-county players anyways, <laughs> or GA players in general. So G- Peter Keane is talking about um, Cork, and I just thought it was interesting in that I've been hearing this about Cork as well. Oh, they're going well. They're winning challenge. They're winning a lot of challenge games, and they're, they're flying it, and all this kind of thing. So they've beaten Limerick. 
So Peter Kane said, factor in what we're hearing over the last few weeks and months since the closing rounds of the league. You take the challenge games that Cork are playing. They've been very good. They've beaten a Dublin team and a Galway team. I like the way he said a Dublin team and a Galway team, <laughs> yeah. not their Dublin <laughs> team. <laughs> they led Donegal in the second round of the league but just lost it. Something went against them. They beat Armagh. They've, they've seven of their last games won, last eight games won. They've a very strong uh, momentum going into a Munster final. So obviously he's talking them up. But I just remember when we were back playing this dynamic of challenge games leading into the championship. They're so fecking misleading because we've beaten Kerry on the lead into Leinster Championship and we're flying it and we're going brilliant. We're hitting that challenge game like a championship game. This is Kerry. This is our last test. Kerry, I don't give a shit about this <laughs> yeah, challenge yeah. game. Like, they don't. Yeah. So, you know, Kerry could get their backs up during the game if we're driving into, you know, yeah. their pride. Yeah. But they're not. Like, uh, this is Darrow O'Shea and Tomás O'Shea and these t- legends of the game that have played in all Ireland finals. Yeah. Like, a challenge game. Like, I'd say they'd be doing well to get up for Limerick tip early rounds of the league because mentally, I'm sure they're, you have to peak mentally maybe as well. It's a long season. This is so far down their list of priorities but it's so high up on oh, ours. Yeah. You know, so it's so misleading. We we could beat Kerry in a challenge game. We were one of the best challenge game teams you've ever <laughs> seen. Like we were. We were excellent. And you go in there with a false confidence oh, and then suddenly sense. you lose to Westmead yeah. in the first round of yeah. the championship. The only one I can remember, remember Monaghan beat Donegal and think uh, in the Ulster final in 2013. And apparently there was an infamous challenge game between Monaghan and Mayo oh, in a yeah. few weeks beforehand. So I think it was Monaghan's first Ulster, Ulster title in a long time. Donegal were obviously coming off the back of the All-Ireland and apparently there was skin and hair flying in this challenge game referee let everything go there was no sending off despite there being fights all over the place and apparently the Mayo lad said afterwards that Monaghan were going to give Donegal a really good game in the Ulster final they went on right. to win them but like I completely agree with you aside from that is that you can just you can read everything into a challenge game and it'll give you a, such a false sense of perception coming into a game it's weird and look at Peter Kate like he's he's really really clutching to give Cork something to go on and I was a lot of sympathy for him because especially down in Kerry you know they're, 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 they've made it into an art form and yeah. talking Cork up before a Munster final and then he's to so he's to try his best because he's seen managers come before him and then he sees Darrow Shea this week saying yeah. I've no hope for no, Cork and a few, <laughs> a few yeah. other pundits in. and normally the pundits are the best at it yeah. do you know Pat Spillane on the Sunday game a few weeks ago do you know so you know he's hardly going to say you know we're just going to turn up and win but uh, you know to say that they're going well on the challenge circuit is, is clutching a bit it is clutching a bit but I, re- I saw the headline of Darrow's piece and I went, Jesus, it's not like Dara O'Shea. And the, the the headline was more in it than the actual piece. The piece was much yeah. more balanced than that. I thought he was going to completely... He did, I don't think he ripped them off as much. But at the same time, I completely take your point. Ah, you'd be doing well to talk up Cork now <laughs> yeah. after all. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just gone It's gone to that stage. But it was interesting just on finish up on these challenge games. Port Leash were the worst ever challenge game team I've ever played on. We were useless. We could get humiliated now going going away to a team for a challenge game. And then we could win a Leinster club. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were on a very high level club. But whatever it was, the psycho- and we could be in the dressing room saying, lads, we need to show, you know what I mean? We want to, we're championship starting soon, let's try it. And we could lose by 15 points to Sarsfields or something from Kildare. Yeah, you'd and only then be playing them. good clubs from other counties. Yeah, right? it's yeah. the psychology of it. You just not, you just don't give a shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Deep down, deep down you don't and you don't track a man that you would. It's a challenge game, you know? So it is, it's it's an interesting one, I think. But then did you ever have those like crisis meetings afterwards then? Like this can't go on, we need to lift <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. see, often that's the best thing. Nearly getting that hammering is the best thing you, that can happen to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
because obviously that's the wake up call that you needed <laughs> before the championship starts. Yeah. So maybe we were just mentally on a very high level as players that we were just giving ourselves yeah. to kick up the arse. That's I don't know what we're doing. Conan, to finish up, this one's for you. Now, make sure you don't start crying as I read this to you. So this is, uh, this is Cavan legend Anthony Ford on Dara McFeety. I didn't realise this about McFeety. He said he would be in the top five footballers in the country at the moment, in my view. He's a great example. Now, here we go. He wasn't a first-choice minor or under-21 when he came <laughs> in. get some music over But the he had an <laughs> unbelievable willingness to learn and listen. The one thing that struck you about him was his attitude. No matter how many times he suffered setbacks, he came back fighting the next day. Uh, didn't make minor under-21. Oh, stop. Listen to you your were, coaches. You, you were obsessed with players that didn't make minor under-21. Did, did you make your team with the best players? No, I didn't, no, know, no, I didn't no. know this. You need to revisit this <laughs> yeah. team. Listen, listen to your coaches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back and we'll preview some of the matches. Happiness hit the like a train on a track. I don't really know Jim anymore. Me and him were like best friends when, when we played, you know. He's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, we've three provincial final lads, so we're going to tier these finals based on Paddy Power's odds. So Cavan Donegal looks like the closest one, um, which I still think Donegal are going to win. And then we'll look at Kerry and Cork in this section. And we'll leave me Dublin, which is going to be a very one-sided affair, into Paddy Power predictions, but we'll talk a little bit about it as well. So I want to start with this Cavan Donegal lads. And here's Declan Bonner um, talking before the game. So I want to get your thoughts on this. So he says, I think we'll have a good final and a very open game. The majority of GA people in the country are looking forward to it. The teams that have had the most success, Dublin, Mayo, Kerry, play a more advanced type of football that is more offensive. Naturally, we're trying to play more offensive, but we also want to get our defensive system right. That takes a lot of work and a lot of work on the training ground. So here's my theory on this. Donegal are evolving to play more of a kicking game. We saw a bit of that last year. Um, I think against Tyrone, Stephen Rochford, I think, was behind they shut Tyrone down. They've only got one game plan. It's all based around Cottle McShane. Let's flood in front of him. Let's play your old style. I think Donegal are going to come out and play a different style of football because Rochford is a risk taker. I think he changes tactics based on the opposition. I yeah. think if this was just left to Declan Bonner, he would have took Tyrone on in a similar type of style game because Declan Bonner would be of the fashion of this is our game plan for the year and this is at most GA teams. This is our game plan for the year. We're going to perfect this during the league and we're going with it. Right. Rochford doesn't think like that. So I think Rochford was behind the defensive style of football for Donegal the last day. And I think he'll be behind a more open uh, or he'll be part of it. Do you get me? No, I do. do No, I do get that. When I said earlier on that I didn't see a recognisable stamp, I mean, uh, and you're right about Stephen Rochford and that he, he plays different tactics to suit different teams, despite the fact that I think he has a. He has a philosophy. He likes to play attacking football. He likes to play kicking football. Yeah. And when I said that I didn't see a recognisable stamp was because Declan Bonner had already moved towards that kind of greater, more kicking for Donegal bit, last yeah. year. What I did actually, and I have this written down, is what I thought that... Uh, what I thought that might have been uh, Rochford's thinking for the Tyrone game was actually putting you McFadden back in the full back line because he has a habit of now listen putting the midfielder back to kind of cover a full forward isn't exactly outside the it's box it's not rocket let's science say. No. But, but let's say for, for the way Donegal had been playing and especially the way Tyrone had been playing I think that was a kind of a a suggestion that I don't think Mickey Hart would have foreseen I think as you said I think Mickey Hart thought Donegal were going to come take them on whereas 
uh, Rochford and well Bonner and Rochford completely turned the tables on them played Tyrone at the game that they used to be good at last year and completely just you know completely destroyed them four points was I think was was generous on Tyrone in the end so that's why I that's why I say that and that's why and I agree with you I think that I don't think I don't think like like having might put uh, Garrow McKiernan at the edge of the square the next day, but I don't think Hugh McFadden is going to be going back there and doing the same Hugh McFadden behind McKiernan and Neil McGee in front of him like they did with uh, Colin McShane. So yeah. that's why. But that's um, but I think you're right. I think that the Rochford will probably have an influence in those decisions that you might not be expecting until you see them on the pitch. Yeah, I do. I, do, I think you're right. And I, I, like I mean, McFadden's always there if needed. I do think Garrow <laughs> McKiernan. I think while well, we didn't see that get that replay. Um, he spent a lot of time in full forward that last day. So Cavan were mixing things up a little bit. So, like, I mean, Donegal have that option to drop McFadden back. But whatever about dropping McFadden back, they won't drop bloody uh, Jamie Brennan back. You know what I mean? There were so many of them swarming back in. It was a throwback, not just to Tyrone tactics, but to Donegal tactics under under McGuinness. McGuinness, but with a really good transition and a really, I hate that word transition, but a really good uh, attacking game plan when they turned the ball over. So, like, I mean, I think they will... I, I, I definitely think we'll see a, new, a different Donegal this weekend. Part of me thinks uh, we'll see the same. So I was coming really? in and I agree with you with Stephen Rashford and I think he was spot on to that against Tyrone and I think he'd probably be smart to do something similar again against Cavan. If he just looked at the the Armagh game, like, and I know we saw the highlights, but by all accounts, Armagh went man for man and that seemed to be their undoing because Cavan... Like, you know, we don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're good at moving people around and and using the space and vacating space and therefore creating more space. So I think Donegal might be wise to sort of try and shut that down. And if it's McKiernan or McVitie, I think McFadden sitting in front of them will either close them down or force them to go out further out the pitch, which is what Donegal will want. So yeah. I think it might be something a bit similar. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that they swarmed the defence the last time because of Tyrone's very obvious kicking game in and around yeah. uh, McShane. Cavan don't have a very obvious kicking game. Cavan have a kicking game based around McFeety, um, getting out in front and maybe working a little bit off him with runners. And they do pile players forward. I think that's the difference between Cavan. They've no problem, um, like their sweeper, um, Mina, Mina. Mina, he is an excellent sweeper but he gets forward to great effect. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think when you're analysing Cavan, it is difficult. I think McVitie's very important to them for that kick-pass option, um, maybe Madden's movement as well. But I just think they defend as a group and they they, they pour forward in a, as a group as well. And they've got great footballers. Like, remembering Cavan's players, mo- the majority of, of them have come through that Ulster under-21 dominating side. So, like, I mean, you're not looking at average players. You're looking at top-quality yeah. players coming off four under-21 um, teams, you know, and they're pouring forward a very good attacking wing backs. You've got attacking wing backs pouring forward, you know, you've got uh, attacking midfield, you've McKiernan pouring forward, you've um, uh, Mackey pouring forward mm. when he comes on. They just seem to be all out of attack when they're attacking and they seem to be able to blow a team like Armagh away. They won't be able to blow Donegal no, away no, with that no. with that style. They're just not as good as Donegal. Conor made a good point there, though, about uh, Cavan kind of moving people around. And and this is why I think that, that, that Donegal probably won't be able to put you McFadden back there. Is what I noticed about Armagh is that different people, different players for Cavan, occupied the full forward slot at different times. So, yeah. Garrett McKiernan, who I think will have to, we might get to this, but I might have to spend more time around midfield because I think Donegal will be stronger there. But... He was in there at some stages and then McVitie 
was in there the odd time Martin Riley who seemed to actually start deeper yeah. in the second he game against wing back. he was in there towards the end kicked a point when I think that having pulled four or five clear at the end and Martin Riley kicked one of those points haven't been in the haven't been in the full forward position at the start and then turned and kicked the ball over. So that's what they, they moved. That, that it's the same with Moina. Like Moina, one minute could be sweeping. He mightn't necessarily be sweeping in the next couple of attacks. He might be waiting in the pocket and what he what he's really good at loves a kick off the outside of his too boots. much. He likes <laughs> and, it too much. A bit too much. So he kind of sits in the pocket and kind of uh, slices over forty five yards. So I think that's what Kevin have. Mickey Graham is really good at that. I think Tyrone. And like Mickey Hart will have realised immediately afterwards, they were way too predictable in that kicking game towards McShane. Yeah. I think Mickey Graham will try and like surprise Donegal as much as possible it will by be. continuing but that movement to people. But it's McVitie or Riley are the ones to play full forward. Gerald McKiernan is who Neil McGee would love to see coming down. Anyways, yeah. do you know what I mean? And McFadden, like I mean, they can't do that. I I agree. Uh, Gerald McKiernan is better served around midfield where Donegal have big, big, huge men. But I, I would, McVitie definitely be in there. But Martin Riley, like, McGee doesn't want to be uh, ran around no, the no, place, do you no. know? And they wouldn't have the same temptation to play McFadden in there if McVitie or or um, Riley was. You know what I mean? They yeah. have to do. They have to play a smaller man in there for me. Yeah, I, I think so. And I just wondering though, does Paddy McGrath pick up McVitie, or maybe that's why they end up trying to put two inside? If that's what Mickey Graham's thinking, does Riley go back in? I know he wasn't that effective against Armagh, but yeah. if you put Riley, it has to be and, two small men. Yeah, yeah. And then you're right. Then McGee has to pick up one of those boys, Riley or McVitie. You know, because McGrath could probably pick up one of them and do a good job. Yeah. Now them. Neil McGee has marked Jamie Clark in the past. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, no yeah. guarantee you'd put Paddy Paddy McGrath on McVitie. I think they trust Neil McGee to be able to mark mark these good fellas. But McVitie has a bit more strength than Jamie Clark has, doesn't he? he seems to have a bit a bit more of a bull in him. Like. Yeah. 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 He's just physically stronger than Jamie Clark and faster too. Yeah. Some of the points he got against Armagh, he had to shake off two or three fellas before throwing them over from like thirty or forty yards. Yeah. But just going back to like going back to Stephen Rochford, what's Stephen? I, I think that. Stephen Rochford liked to do for Mayo in particular was assign uh, man markers to the opposition's danger men. So obviously Lee Keegan was the obvious one with uh, Quinlevin for Tip, yeah. whether it be Sean Cavanagh for Tyrone. Paul Murphy. <laughs> yeah, Paul Murphy, yeah. And even Paddy Durkin, I remember marking Peter Hart, marking Shane Welsh the odd time. So if, if Rochford is going to have an influence, he might decide to, to detail people, whoever they're going to be, to detail people to Martin Riley, to McVitie. Maybe to Garrow McKiernan, I would say that might be about it. Yeah, no, that's it. They're they're the three main. They're the three main uh, fellas. Um, like I mean, here's the thing with uh, uh, Donegal. Like I mean, they have plenty of pace. This is the thing, and you need pace to provide a bit of a punch. We saw Shane Walsh coming out for Galway in the first half, the last day, and just going past the man and getting that overlap, and suddenly then a lot of lads coming off his shoulder, mm. and you're getting through. Whereas you're not getting through by just having players who are not brave enough to go on past his man and you're just throwing it to the side. Then it's a boring game. Someone has to take it on the responsibility to go, right, we're on the outside here. How do we penetrate here? And like the lads with pace can penetrate. So Owen Bon Gallagher can penetrate. Ryan McHugh can penetrate. Jamie Brennan is excellent at penetrating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then you have these fellas, um, McGee and midfield and Murphy, they can penetrate in a different way because like they're such big physically imposing uh, players. So Donegal have them. Like, that's what's really important because no matter what way I was wondering about teams, like, you have to have two attacking game plans, right? So you have to have an attacking game plan when you turn over the ball. What's our attacking game plan? Do we have the link man to move it down fast through the foot? Do we have to work it through the hands? Working through the hands for me is outdated because Kevin will be smart, Donegal will be smart, they'll be on that mm. uh, turnover immediately. 
moving it through the foot you'll get joy right so that's one attacking game plan the other attacking game plan is and you have to do walkthroughs of all this I'd imagine they're doing the other attacking game plan is when there's 12 men inside the 45 and in, in, inevitably in every game you're going to face that so how do you deal with that you deal with that with the Bang Gallagher's the Roy McHugh's the Jamie Brennan's fellas who can punch those holes without having those players to punch those holes you're, you're gone you're gone you know yeah, from that yeah, point yeah. of view like I'm not sure who Cavan do Cavan have the same kind of pace to be able to punch those holes as Donegal have yeah that's probably a fair point like what what Cavan have I think is they're all very well coached it's, it's very obvious that they all do the right thing but sometimes I think that's almost to a fault where they're throwing it off too much and there's nobody yeah trying to sort of make any inroads sometimes um, and I think McHugh as well you left out there I think that's yeah, what's think making Michael Murphy look so good in them. and I don't even think Michael Murphy noticed Parry Kamsley the last day but it was because there were so many Donegal mm. players punching holes and then Murphy can almost play sort of secondary and come on come on late and late on punch that, a yeah. hole or throw it off again and it wasn't all relying on him and yeah, like uh, Kevin, like they they are doing the right thing, and uh, as I said before, they're moving into space. They're like leaving the space in the full forward line, and somebody else, like Jason McLaughlin, went in there for he was the cornerback. He went they're in there. Act, for they're, the, they're an example of this modern the modern yeah. game, Kevin. Like, and the difference within this year is they have the focal point with McVitie, so they're not a one trick pony. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can go into him and they can work off him. I think they're more comfortable with a running game, Kevin. Are I think that's what they, that's what they're best with. They're they've got f- fellas that are very comfortable on the ball. But do you think Donegal have a better running game? Well, there's no team better, there's no team more (laughs) comfortable on the ball than Donegal. Even though Fermanagh, I think, for weirdly enough, for a lower tier team, they're very comfortable (laughs) on the ball. But Donegal are the masters at hand-passing games, right? Yeah, and especially, like, going back to the Fermanagh game in particular, when they they met that Fermanagh wall, maybe about 50 yards out, not only had they kind of punching holes, and when, when, let's say, the likes of Ryan McHugh or Ombong Gallagher, Immediately, I've never seen a team to play on the loop as much as Donegal against Fermanagh that day. Now, they had to because they knew that Fermanagh would set up a screen, you know, any amount yeah. of men behind the ball. And then it was just, in the, I think it was the second half against Fermanagh in particular, they had fellas kicking scores from 40 or 50 yards, but it was all as a result of somebody making that initial burst and then drawing a couple of men and then somebody coming on the loop. Paddy McBrady is the best at it, but Jamie Brennan was quite good at it as well. So I don't think, as you said, I don't think Cavan have that to the same extent. What, like, my abiding image of the Kevin Armagh games is Darren McFeedy and Keane Mackey in particular remember the score that Keane Mackey got at the end yeah. he started off he looked up there was nothing on took on about five Armagh men and was you know falling over when he kicked it over the bar McVitie did the same I don't think Donegal are going to let that happen No and I, I think like I mean they're going to have to have a plan for Conor Minor as well like I mean and they're going to I say Killian Clark's going to mark uh, Michael Murphy he seems to be made tailor made for him he marked Rian O'Neill and did really well on him Conor Minor this is the thing about Conor Minor Donegal can't really do anything about his sweeping job because I don't think Donegal are going to go so brave that they're going to be pushing right up on him and mark the sweeper so I think they'll leave him sweep but I'd be very very surprised if he's allowed in general play if somebody's not detailed you know what I mean when we lose the ball I want you down on on minor because like I mean it's he's he is a very very good player and he's a leader and he does the right thing on the ball and Donegal will absolutely have to have a plan for him and maybe it's uh, maybe it's one of the McHugh's like you know going up and occupying him like not only marking him when Cavan have the ball but trying to sort of pull them out of space then when they do have the ball yeah because you have to remember he's a defender although I think he picked that centre half forward the, the last day but he's like I mean if he's playing a, in defence he's only a sweeper because you're dra- you've yeah. dragged somebody yeah. back the yeah. field you that's know? it then if, if he, like, he's such a nice footballer like, so maybe you just make him a bit more uncomfortable we've we said this a lot about Killian O'Sullivan before and he's always passed the test and Conor Moyna might too but I think Donny Golvin enough players there that they can 
not sacrifice somebody, but just go up and ask him a question and maybe free up McBrady a bit more in the process. That will be doing that. That's yeah. the knock-on effect of that. So Kevin have been warned about the Donegal kickouts. Obviously, mark Donegal players from the outside because Patton loves hitting the two wings and with players breaking out. Now, for me, that's very basic stuff. Now, unless see, this is the thing you don't always know. So Tyrone might have done homework on Donegal's kickouts. And Donegal might have changed like it. it, but it might have changed <laughs> yeah, it up. Yeah, so yeah. you could look at some tape of last year and like I think kickouts need to be evolving all the time because you just need to see one tape of one team to know their kickouts. So now Cavan will have done a lot of work on Donegal's kickouts. Donegal can't really come with the same. Like, I mean, no. it's dumb from a Donegal point of view. I would say mix up one in five with, with that. But the minute Cavan see that shape forming... Yeah. Mark your man from the outside. Like, I mean, that's obvious. But like, this is, a, this is the thing. Do you remember Port Leash with Kilmacook Croaks this year in Parnell Park? And they got destroyed in the first half on those basic kickouts. And I remember saying to somebody up there, what the hell? Like, I mean, that's, that's criminal. Like, was there no homework done? And they said there was homework done. They hadn't done that before. Like, it, yeah, again, yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, we, or yeah. we didn't see any evidence of them doing that before. So they did, they, they, it took them till half time to think on their yeah. feet. So this is the great thing. And it's, gee, don't, just don't do enough tactics. Again, it's an amateur sport. You don't have enough time practicing. It's not like soccer. You have all week to come up with something new. But anything new rattles a team. It takes you 20 minutes to figure out what's happening here, lads. This is not what what we talked about. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the brilliance of Rochford. I think, again, I think Donegal will come with a new kick-out strategy this weekend. I, I just couldn't believe how easy I'm it was. I'm really for, talking Rochford up here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe, a genius. <laughs> I couldn't believe how easy it was for Toronto or for Patton to get his kick-outs away against yeah. Tyrone. Like, there was literally, he ended up just popping it to either side of the 45 onto an on-rushing Donegal fella. Who seemed yeah. to be five yards ahead of his man yeah. without having a whole lot to do. And for some, for a team as good as Tyrone, for somebody as experienced as Mickey Hart, even if Donegal only brought it on the day, I mean, this is something you could spot after five. Yeah. To, to me, it looked like something you could spot after five minutes. And this is what I, I think that actually could be wrong, but I think that Cavan might give Patton the, or Cavan might give Donegal the short kick out option the next day, or at least offer it up and then to get into their shape because uh, not only does it prevent Donegal from getting the easy kick outs they did the last day, but it also, if they get into their shape earlier, stop the likes of Owen Bon Galler or Ryan McHugh, whoever getting on those easy break and having space to run into it. That's, I, I, I think it could happen. Yeah. Um, it would certainly be better than what uh, Toronto did against well, Donegal. Anyway. Like, I mean, the obvious thing, like, I mean, you mark zonally. Like, I mean, it's not, like, Toronto seemed to be marking the man. Yeah. I'm on him. Yeah. Well, you yeah. want to break over there. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to slag. I don't want to, yeah. you know, make little of Toronto. But it, it, tactically, in this day and age, very strange at the very highest level yeah. to see that. And it's such a kickout. Again, we're repeating ourselves, but like an opposition kickout is one of your best chances to attack. So it's very strange that you wouldn't just sort of have, as you say, zonally, like even overcommit like Dublin do, like the best teams all do, carried. And the great thing, we know the great thing about zonally is if a kick goes astray, you're not being marked. Yeah. yeah. And like, you can't be marked because the defenders are actually, you're, you're standing in a zone away from them, you're having it and you're teasing them yeah. and yeah. they work. And it's it's not a risk. Like there's enough time when the ball's in there. If the ball's going to one side, whoever's committed to the other side in his zone, he can start dropping back. Then, like as long as you put a bit of pressure on for a second or two, yeah, people can shuffle but back. That, but that but that's the thing, Conan. A zonal marking system from kickouts. The only way it can be caught out is to the full back line because the flight of the ball. Yeah. By the time it gets to the half back line, the zonal man should be on top of him, yeah. swallowing him up. 
Like Dublin, when would you get an aggressive kick out like that against Dublin? Not in a million years, would you? Sure, yeah. there's they zone up on it. And they're over. I remember actually playing with Parnells one day and I can't remember the team we were playing, but it wasn't even a Division 1 team. And I remember Cluxton in goals and he was floating into the half-back line. And by the time they had landed on the half-back line, our half-back caught it and there was three players around him. Yeah, yeah. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? You shouldn't be able to get away with, with floating kickouts that far, you know? Because yeah. they're obviously all following their man, Tyrone, and maybe the idea with following their man is they didn't want to give a short one. But like, I mean, let your full forward line then be tight under men if they want. Mm. But your half forward line to maybe be marking zones in front and your midfield to push up. You know, there's there's obviously yeah. ways of doing it. Following your man's too basic. <clears throat> yeah, I was just thinking of Darren O'Malley against Galway the last day, especially like at the end of the first half when Roscommon were getting absolutely cleaned out in kickouts. And he tried to give one to, I think it was Hussey. It was, under the stand. Directly on the sideline. So like if you're, if you're marking him, you know, if you're going man on man, you'd be right beside him. Whereas the that led to a Shane Walsh yeah, point. Of course, I think. the sensible thing to do is to mark him from about ten yards away because the flight of the ball, and even when he wins it, if you're there to start, where's he going to go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know? So. Yeah, no, definitely zone. Half forward line should be zone. Half forward line should be spreading zonal because there's no way it can get to them without you getting across. So basically, that's it. Right, lads. Cork Kerry. We'll get predictions on that other one in um, Paddy Power predictions. Cork Kerry. So obviously this is the next one, and it's very weighted very heavily in Kerry's favour. Corker eleven to two. Kerry are one to seven. The handicap is six. We'll get a prediction of it. Interestingly enough, here lads, and this is a big one about Cor- Kerry, right? And I was talking to Mark O'Shea the other night after the after the live show, and we're having a pint, and he was talking about the five minor winning teams. And I hope Mark won't have a problem with saying this, but he says, who, what top players came off that? And you say, O'Shea and Clifford. And then there's silence. Like, when you think about it, like, look at, look at the Dublin. I was just looking at this. Like, the Dublin under-21 team, for example, or minor team from 2011, they lost to Tipperary in the final. They got Kieran Kilkenny, they got Paul Mannion, they got Jack McCaffrey and John Small off that team that lost the mm. minor All-Ireland. Four of the greats, three of the absolute greats, and Small will be up there. By the time he finishes his career, he'll be a bloody brilliant, respected player who did it for Dublin when he needed to be done. That's four unbelievable players. After Sean O'Shea, now they need a little bit more time, Kerry, to become great players. I see Jason Foley, Flatters to Deceive, Michal Burns. Do you know what I mean? Your man O'Connor in midfield. You have a, you have a whole lot of lads, samey. They're all right. Mm. But are, they, are, they, are you looking at them being like... Great players. I don't. I only see two young players in Kerry that have come through that are looking like uh, great players. Well, they did have a Gavin one. White yeah. maybe could turn out to be a, a really good player as well. But these these are good players. You are naming though, like Dara Moynihan's and all of them. Like it is only Dara Moynihan. Yeah, but like I mean, they're only on the twenties. Like, I know they are. But Mannion, Kilkenny, McCaffrey, they were in the Sean O'Shea Clifford. They were doing it straight away. Like you knew these lads are going to be great. Like these are a great influx of players. Do you know what I mean? Even John Small. There's evidence of two years now from Kerry and I only see two. Yeah, but these, these, like maybe you only see two because these are going to be two of the best ever as well. Like These two are so far ahead of the rest. Yeah, but you're talking about five minor All-Ireland winning teams. That was the, there should be three stars in all of them. Yeah, it's the 2011 team you're talking about. Like I'm just trying to think when Kieran Kilkenny and Jack McCaffrey became 
you know, established. Their team, their great. very first year, they were brilliant. Now, yeah. the All-Ireland semi-final final, they weren't great, but like yeah. they, were only, they were only 18, so 19. Then he started against Mayo in the semi-final in 12, actually. He was, he was brought in late, right. actually. And he then was only McCaffrey minor. He was young player of the year in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm just wondering how long you're willing to give, you know, to give players like this to establish yeah. themselves because Clifford is once in a generation and Sean O'Shea isn't far, well, no, he's, he's a bit far behind Clifford, but um, it's just like, I, I think these are, I think I, I kind of agree with you, Conor, that these are really good, they are very good players and they're like trying to get into a team like Kerry mightn't be as good as they, they you know, kind of traditionally were, but I, I'd be willing to give, you know, cut them a little slack and give them a little more time to right. prove themselves. Okay, well, that's fair enough, but look, I'm, I'm just po- pointing out that if they're going to have to challenge Dublin, you want to see yeah, some more, yeah. you need some more legendary players. Like, look at Kerry, great team, legendary players all over. I do accept the time thing. For me, I think the legendary players don't need two or three years. I think they, you know them pretty soon. Yeah. Like, how, how do we know Sean O'Shea and Clifford so fast? Anyway, I was just going to say that. But another one was, Mark was saying that Thomas Sullivan now is their main man marker. This is what they're missing big time. Peter Crowley, who was not a man marker, was their main mark, man marker during the league. Peter Crowley is not the relation. Well, he's, OK, he'll do. He'll try and do a job if you're given a bit of protection, but he's not a man marker. Christ no, almighty. And Thomas Sullivan, who scores four or five points from play from wing back for Dingle and can do the same for Kerry wing back. He marked Kevin McLaughlin, I think, in the league final. He did well on Kevin. He did a brilliant job on him. But Kevin McLaughlin is a good matchup for Thomas Sullivan. Don't put Thomas Sullivan and Paul Mannion or someone and think that Thomas (laughs) Sullivan's going to be able to mark him because he's not. Thomas Sullivan's not your man marker. This is a huge problem for Kerry as well. So not only... The doubts over, okay, my doubts over, not the doubts over. (laughs) (laughs) The the quality of all these lads from five minor All-Ireland winning teams, they've no man markers. Yeah, and like the big problem there is we're judging Kerry against Dublin and you need more than one bloody man marker to come against Dublin. So if Tom O'Sullivan happens to have a good game against Paul Mannion, which is doubtful. Won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Then what happens with Cormac Costello and Kieran Kilkenny and the rest of them? Can they match up with these boys? I, I don't... I don't think they can and that's always the worry that's going to come back to Kerry. Yeah. Like we, they, they are always and, and by their own admission they're going to be judged on can they win in All-Ireland or not and Dublin is the, the standard and I, like you know look Jason Foley they've been talked about a lot like you know we, we've been waiting for him to be the, the man marker everybody in Kerry thinks he is. Tag Morley we've seen him do a good job on the 45 spoiling people. See I see Jason Foley as a very good footballer yeah. But the good man markers or the good full back lines aren't as good as it. Like he's an excellent yeah. footballer, but I don't know if he's a great if he's a tight man marker. He's a full kind of a full back. He's more of a loose player that's very good on the ball. Yeah. That's how I see him. And like uh, so, if you look at Foley, Morley, and O'Sullivan, is that enough to stop the best full forwards? Yeah, Morley. In fairness to him, is a good battler. Like you need, you yeah, want Morley game, at, fo- yeah. at centre back. Centre he's done well on Kieran Kilkenny, but whether he's a, a full back or not, but they have to try something out in the full back line. There's no doubt about mm, that. It's nearly like they have six half backs playing. You know, yeah. like across their back yeah. line. Like none, of, I would, I would consider none of them. I see Shane Enright's name there. He struggled against Shane uh, Enright wing back. That's yeah, crazy exa- yeah. He's str- and he's had had some struggles in some of the big games they've had the last few years as well. The problem for Kerry is that they're not going to get found out until. Super 8s and then probably at that stage it's too late because they'll be comfortable enough over Clare I expect them to be pretty comfortable against Cork and then as happened last year they come up against better teams and then they don't have time to fix it because the games are week on week and there's, there doesn't seem to be any clear solution to, to those man-marking problems that you're on about No, there definitely doesn't and you're right that's when that's when they're going to find out but like I mean these there are definitely issues for Kerry there's no doubt about that whether Cork can do anything about it I don't know Brian Hurley back in great form him and Mark Collins will play inside uh, Paul Kerrigan's picked in the corner 
he was picked wing forward the last time John O'Rourke was in the corner and he came out so we'd be fairly sure that Paul Kerrigan is going to have a, a drifting role um, on on Saturday night and leaving Hurley and Mark Collins you've got Kerrigan Brian Hurley Mark Collins you've Rory Dean who I think is really good and then you've two working wing forwards like they should be able to do all right there do you know what I mean like I mean last year and their manager Ronan McCarthy w- was right in saying this they were destroyed under kickouts like Kerry did that aggressive press that Fitzmaurice loved whether Mm. Peter Keane wants to do that or not I don't know but Cork just were Kerry just pinned them in like what Dublin would do to a team and just destroyed them so it'll be interesting to see whether it's always gas that was in Fitzmaurice's last year where they were just kind of peaking at that time you think Kerry are going well now you're kind of setting it back a little bit some more new young fellas I think Fitzmaurice was an outstanding manager I think that he'll he'll uh, He'll be missed. It'll be interesting to see how Peter Keane approaches the the Cork game. Apparently, I was ta- I was reading from Colin O'Neill. Um, it, he's on about this kind of go for it, you know. And this is very kind of loose term. Nobody really knows what go goes go for it means because most teams want to go for it, but to go for it maybe in different ways. Some of them in a very negative way, hoping the opposition do something, and the other maybe maybe force their hand. So he's on about going for it, the same as they did against uh, Limerick. We weren't totally open at the back, but they weren't def- they weren't overly defensive. In the first few league games, they were sitting back trying a sweeper, which probably isn't Cork style. They weren't sure how to play it, and it probably cost them in the latter stages of the league. So according to Colin O'Neill, we wouldn't have seen an awful lot of uh, Cork's games. So they played a sweeper early, which we were aware of, and then they've abandoned it, abandoned it and they didn't play it against um, Limerick. And... It's whether they play it, I suppose, this weekend. So it's hard to know. Again, I always think the idea of bringing back a forward to sweep is madness in this day and age because John O'Rourke is just going to give you a sweeper because he's mm. going to kind of be dropping back. And there you have your sweeper. Yeah. And tell your wing forward to pick up John O'Rourke and, you know, leave them a spare half back and maybe tell your corner forward to push out on him. <laughs> then if a spare corner back and you're hoping that corner back is the corner back that doesn't like yeah. attacking. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that how it goes? Like, yeah. I mean, but bringing back a forward is outdated, really, right? And it's, well, it's much easier to go for it against Limerick as well than it is against yeah. Kerry. And not, that's not disrespecting Limerick. It's it's because it's easier to win the ball in midfield. You know, you have more dominance. You're further up the pitch all the time. So you go for it naturally. Like when Kerry are strangling you and you can't get out of your own half, then it's different. It's, it's about what they do. What they do then, and I, I just, yeah, like, to be honest as well, I actually would just prefer a sweeper in front of David Clifford and Paul Ganey and Sean O'Shea and Stephen O'Brien. Like, Jesus, you need an extra man there. Oh, you do. you do. But you need your centre back to drop and you need your wing forward to pick up the John O'Rourke type thing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? You were talking about bringing a forward back to do it. I'm talking about maybe McSweeney and O'Rourke staying back in the 45. Like, yeah, I'm doing a bit of extra work going forward, but maybe keeping the four up, but keeping those two back as extra halfbacks and trying to just tighten up that yeah. that 45. Yeah, because Kerry don't like that running game anyways. Like, I mean, the important thing as well, obviously, which Mayo did brilliantly in the... And David Clifford has mentioned this too. So what Mayo did brilliantly is their half-back line attacked so much that that link man that Kerry liked to leave because obviously with James O'Donoghue, Geeney and Clifford in there, mm. if there's too much of a gap, they're screwed. So against Clare it looked like James O'Donoghue was playing that link role so what does Cork do with James O'Donoghue when he's under 45 you tell your man here I hate I actually feel terrible saying this and advising this is just take off down the field and give O'Donoghue <laughs> think of it attacking <laughs> <Cork Cork. around. laughs> well look I'm not saying I like it but you're saying yeah. if Cork if, if Cork just left O'Donoghue with that role under 45 which is the link role which is a really important job for Kerry to get Geeney and Clifford into it 
Sure, wouldn't he be dumb to man Mark James uh, Donahue? He'd have to take off then James Donahue has that decision to make. Am I going to track him or am I going to play silly beggars? Mm. I, I, like I, I don't know do Cork have it in them I, I think all of them you mentioned there to go defensive Just I think they're the worst scoring difference in Division 2 and uh, Ronan McCarthy was on about the game last year when Cork were destroyed he goes he would have considered it a treachery to pile men you know back behind the ball try to keep the score down in the last 20 minutes yeah, whatever. I read that in the examiner yeah. but he, did, he was doing that in the league then this I year well, yeah but the, but the thing is like you mentioned the kickouts there I remember feeling sorry for Cork last year because they, they scored 2-1 I think in the first 10 minutes yeah. you're thinking right this is a game on here this is old school Cork and Kerry and then Kerry just absolutely destroyed them to the point that they literally could not win a ball no. they, 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 like they were barely getting it outside their 45 for the remainder of that first half and the game was over despite being 7 points down I don't know that they scored 2-1 uh, scored two one early and we're still seven yeah, down at half time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just it was just crazy. So um, I don't know. Like, I hope <laughs> hopefully it's not as as bad this time around. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know whether whether Cork have the the, the capacity to to do what you do, Con- do what do what you said, Conan, and bring their lads back and, and kind of play that defensive game plan. Yeah, I don't think they're good at that. I don't have the expertise. Now I don't think there's much expertise to getting fellas back into zones, but. The counties that do it well seem to have Paddy Talley, seem to have Rory Gallagher, seem to have Northern coaches. <laughs> I'm not sure. Genuinely, I don't think yeah. the expertise is down in Cork to do that kind of stuff. Mm. It's yeah. just, a, it's, uh, it's obscene to them. It's, it's unusual to them. It's unusual to the players and the managers. I don't like, think they're good at doing that kind of thing. It's just like two midfielders, you drop to the 45, that frees up or six to sweep. Wing forwards, work your bollocks off and get back behind the ball. Do you know when like, Sure up, push out, don't get stuck in the 21, push out to the 45, put them under a bit of pressure. There's not a lot of work to it. Like, that's why I don't like it anymore. And I think it's sort of outdated. But I think you still probably need two people working back and probably trying to get forward again as well. So, like, yeah, it wouldn't be hard for Cork to work on it. And there is something, I think, in Cork when you play in one game, they've had, what, eight weeks or something now to just yeah. sit and prepare for I do, an ambush. I do, I do find now, just not to go off the topic on this, and this is important. So you're saying all that, whatever, and you're doing a walkthrough with this with players and you know what players are like. They're going, and what about him then? If he goes, if you pause for one second and don't know the answer to that, the players will think you're full of shit. So you need to have a very clear idea of what this is because I do think that's a problem with managers and this is how players lose uh, faith in their managers. And I see it, I see it with with teams, I see it up with Port Leash. They ask questions all the time. And what, what happens then with that? The minute you get you hear a pause or whatever, I'm sure this lad doesn't have a clue. This yeah, was, yeah. this is what could be said then in the car. Sure, he didn't even know the answer to that. Sure, yeah. like because some players won't really want to play like that, so they're only looking for an excuse to say, "Well, sure, if I leave my man completely free, am I going <laughs> to?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you know these little whippersnappers? Yeah, this is yeah. the way they carry on. I'm just saying, Colin. I'm sure you have all the answers for that, <laughs> but I'm just saying maybe Ronan McCarthy might not necessarily have all. Like I think this is what might be wrong down in Cork is that they don't have all the answers for all those questions, and maybe. Maybe most managers don't have hypothetical answers, but some of them are better at bullsh- yeah. bullshitting them than others. I, I remember um, Jim McG- or Kevin Cassidy talking about Jim McGuinness before and how he used to just show them everything they wanted to know about a team or every player. And it's like, this is Dublin and this is how we'll beat them. Even just that language, like, you know, yeah. it's almost like I'm prepared for any question you would have, but yeah. he's almost second guessing it and going through everybody. And like, you know, James O'Donoghue, he, maybe the maybe Ronan McCurphy has to sort of address that himself first. If James O'Donoghue's going off down the pitch, that's fine, we stay here or let him out there because he's just going to hand pass it off. Or, yeah. You know, and almost like, 
don't know if we would do it. Like, but almost disrespect somebody like James O'Donoghue just to feed a bit of confidence into the court camp. Yeah. Like, he's obviously sending us behind Kerry backs, but just telling them exactly what his weaknesses are and what who is actually the real threat. Well, you're right, you're right. And if that question's asked, what about him? McGuinness would say, well, I've watched three videos and he doesn't actually go forward. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so you yeah. just leave him there or yeah. what, you know, maybe that's probably the answer that we're looking for. A bit of, uh, bit of homework, which again, <laughs> yeah. a lot of managers might not have done. Right, lads, we've gone over time on that. We'll come back with Paddy Power Predictions and something on Mead and Dublin. When your legs don't work like they used to before I was actually coming home on Saturday morning and I had the podcast on from Newbridge Southern 8 and that that helps the journey to be honest if I'm if I ran out of Ed Sheeran songs depends on mood I'm in Ed's good for uh, if you're in a sappy mood Ed's good to sing along to you and then if you're in a GA head mood which I am probably most of the week then I turn these boys on Paddy Power Predictions, lads. We'll get a quick prediction on Cork Kerry and Donegal Cavan. Cork Kerry handicap is six. I presume that's what we're looking at. I think Kerry are going to beat the six. Connor, we'll yep. go to you. Yeah, Kerry to beat the handicap, yeah. Really annoyed at Peter Keane. I was coming here with that information about them beating Dublin in a friendly. I was like, oh, here, I've got sources who tell me they beat Dublin and he's telling the national media about it. But um, I still think Kerry will be beating them by six. So do you know so. any more to beat a Dublin team or the Dublin <laughs> team? I heard a Dublin team as well. Right. played against the underdogs that time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so we go Cavan and Donegal. Handicap here is three. I think Donegal are beating that. Yeah, I think they, they might they might beat that, but you never know the Ulster Championship. Let's yeah. just ah, me. you're plucking at straws. Here. I'm going to go Donegal just to have too many um, ways to beat you. Yeah, just I I thought three to one was harsh enough on Cavan to be honest. And Cavan are three to one to win, I think. But, uh, but they, if they're three to one, the handicap might be should be a bit more than three. I was, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking that. But if the handicap is three, yeah, I'd go for Donegal to beat it, but not by much more than that. I I had to laugh at all the people coming out talking about the provincial championships when Ross Common won and they're alive and well. Sure, no one said the Connacht Championship wasn't yeah, alive yeah. and well. Division three, one division, team. three Division One teams in the bloody thing. <laughs> one or two years ago, already proven. I think Munster and Leinster are the yeah, shit ones. Yeah. Like that's what we're complaining yeah. about. So like, and this whole thing, and plus, uh, like any restructure should keep the provincials but separate, separate. them. For the other, like yeah, I mean, yeah. I hate that. Jesus, anyone want to? I think it was Eamon O'Hara was talking, tweeting about it. The provincials are alive. So stupid. Connacht. It's so, yeah. again, yeah. As, but if, it, as if the championship doesn't need change. It's because the province... Just because yeah, Roscommon yeah, yeah, won, yeah. won in Connacht. Anyways, yeah. So, okay. So, we've that done. So, Mon- the Leinster Championship then, lads. Obviously, a bit of a waste of time predicting who's going to win because Dublin will win this. They're 1-50. to Meade are 16-1. to The handicap is 12. And I think Dublin are going to beat that handicap. Um, it's what Meade bring to the table is what I'm interested in. And I'm a little bit confused on how Meade should... Um, should approach this game because usually you talk about Donegal you talk about Throne and they have to attack them because they have the tools to potentially beat Dublin I think and get goals Mead I don't think no matter what way to play against Dublin can they beat them so like do Mead want to get hammered and have a good year ruined or do they want to come out with their head you know what I mean heads held high so I'm not sure how I would approach it myself if I was the Mead manager like against Donegal in the league final they showed a variety to their game which was very good quick diagonal passes into uh, Mickey Newman didn't see that really against Leash at all so I don't know what, where that mm. came from against Donegal in the league final um, and you'd imagine they will re- they will repeat that and get it in early because Dublin will give you one-on-ones if you get that ball in early and Newman now probably Newman is the only one in there um, that's going to that's going to be able to win kind of ball. Tobin is a big fella who comes on, but like he's not even that good in the air. Tobin, I'm not sure what he's 
um, really good at. I thought he's more of an out the field player, but he started in the full forward line against Carlo alongside Newman. Um, so it's hard to know. Like they can't beat Dublin. You just you just. You, Maybe you'd like to see them go with a similar game plan to Leash last year, making sure that they're getting it in early, cause Dublin full back line a few problems, but filtering men back behind the ball when they lose the ball, just not to get hammered. Doesn't it say a lot about the, the Leinster Championship that Dublin are shorter odds to beat Division 1 Meath than Kerry are to beat Division 3 Cork? Yeah. You know, it just mm. shows how far they are ahead of everybody. Um, yeah, like I'd be very surprised if Meave can can keep it that tight. Like the Donegal game does give me a bit of hope that league final, and I know it's the league, but like when they played it in early, they were bloody dangerous, very like, dangerous, and, yeah. And Newman was playing like one of the best forwards in Ireland, like you know. So if you take that and you think about the leash, was it last year the leash uh, final against Dublin yeah. in the provincial final? And, and I know it sort of Dublin ran away with it in the end, but in the first half particularly, leash gave them serious problems just by kicking it in early and just isolating those men. So. Meave can get joy it won't be enough and I think Dublin will still beat, beat the spread mm. yeah you'd imagine they're going to beat the spread young Conlon like I mean he's only young he's only a little a small little fella he's, uh, he'll be in buzzing around Newman whether Newman can carry that threat on their own Leash had two threats that day so diagonal balls um, you wonder whether Dublin will show Mead the respect and put a man in front of Newman if he's getting those I don't think they'll start doing that but if they see mm. Mead pumping in balls the great thing about Leash last year even doing that and thing about the Tyrone in the league doing that Dublin now have a plan for that. So Howard's dropping back and Scully at different times. I was yeah. watching the game with uh, Wheelow. I saw his analysis on the Sunday game and it was weird just seeing it because we never saw... I saw Howard last year with... If, if it's a big man in the full forward line, Howard will drop in front because he's really good in the air. He was the one stood in front of Kingston. Never seen Scully back as a full-time sweeper. Never. Mm. It's always a, either it's always a half back. And remember, men, remember Howard played wing back for a few games last year. I think he could have been against Leash, so he was back doing that last week. Met Howard and Scully were absolutely wing forwards, and they were back full time sweepers. So, like, I mean, Dublin are are practicing for every eventuality, mm. every eventuality, and this eventuality, I think, is if they play Tyrone or a, a team who's occupying their half forward line and who's got. Uh, Full forwards who like diagonal ball. Now Dublin are, are experimenting with bringing the two wing... wing, wing uh, yeah. Because they never had to do that before. So we're looking at Tyrone. They might have had that night in Croke Park. They had Sludden and Hart playing lovely little diagonal balls. So McCarthy and whoever's it, John Small or McCaffrey have to follow them now. So now it's not as easy for them to free up, you know what I mean, the full-time sweeper. So I think that little warning in the league has Dublin now if you want a running game we'll match you on that if you want a kicking game we got shocked once we're not going to get shocked again do you know what I mean this is all just adding Tyrone should have waited till the All-Ireland final well didn't they do it they they threw Colm Cavanagh in for the last 15 minutes the All-Ireland final last year Howard goes back in and catches one of the the best fetches of the year just just in the last couple of minutes and the thing about uh, like Howard's unbelievable in the air Scully's not bad either but the thing about the two those lads is that they're absolute machines and there's no problem to them being able to get back and sit in front of a full back line, whatever, and then a couple of minutes later, beyond the end, you well, know, that's beyond it. the end of the They're other. way back up the so field. Yeah. Th- th- that's, that's the thing. And I remember it might kind of uh, tie in with Paul Finn was saying to you when he was on not so long ago that, like, what he feels he's lost, he feels in good shape, but he's lost that kind of sprint stamina. So, like, to keep the re- repetitive sprints, kind of, you know, that, that's what he always felt he was good at. And he was such a brilliant 10 for Dublin for years. That's what I like. That, that's the standard for, for, for being a Dublin half forward. You have to be that fit and you have to be able to keep going. And that's what that's what Howard and Scully are able to do so while I like the idea while Lee did it to an extent while Tyrone did it in the league I like the idea of of, of, of 
you know, posing that aerial threat to Dublin, but I just fancy them to solve it immediately. Yeah. And just then then get enough possession of the ball that before you know it, you're eight points down and the game is done. Do you know, yeah. it just it's happened to Kildare, it happened to happened to everybody basically. They just I don't know, I like what I'm seeing about like me, they're definitely progressing, but not to the level where they can they can put it up to Dublin, like even threaten the handicap, I would think. No, John Small as well is tailor-made for Killian O'Sullivan who outside of Newman is their is their best forward Brian McMahon will be buzzing around the place but I just don't see enough I don't see enough danger midfield will probably be able to break even Menton's a good battler at that level probably wouldn't be able for Fenton Flanagan's <coughs> decent rangy kind of player um, yeah and I can see the mid full back line having all sorts of problems McGill is an old fashioned full back who's a battler but there's none of the Dublin full forward line old fashioned in any way Costello, Mannion and Callaghan like I mean their Ugh. movement's going to be too young Gallagher in the corner for me is too is probably a little bit small um, I, I, just, lads, I don't I, again I don't want to be in any way disrespectful to Mead but like I mean if they beat that handicap they want to be delighted with themselves <laughs> seriously yeah. like they want they would really would so we're all agreeing on that one so let's have a quick run through the qualifiers here lads and we'll get the odds and our predictions so Antrim and Kildare is the first one here on my list Antrim are 13 to 2 outsiders and Kildare are 1 to 10 13 to 2 outsiders for for a home game against Kildare who did Antrim beat loud away the last time mm. I think that's a very good price if mm. you ever wanted to throw one little sneaky upset Kildare 1 to 10 unbackable but away uh, I'm going for Kildare yeah. but like I mean Kildare have struggled over Wicklow and struggled over Longford and they you know that one of them was in O'Connor Park and Dr Cullen Park not yeah. as far up as you'd have to travel to play Antrim I think this one's a, is it Corrigan Park as well this game's Co- at Corrigan Park or yeah. nowhere yeah Which, yeah. so it's a bit of a victory there for Antrim where they were uh, appealing to be able to play in that and it's in a tight club ground you know right. so yeah. you know, there, there's a bit of a siege mentality there and I think playing in a club ground in North Antrim will, will help that as well like you know um I don't think they'll be killed there, but you know, it could be a, a bit tighter than those odds are suggesting. I think it will, yeah. Well, I'll go for Kildare there, Connor. Kildare, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is the big one of the weekend Derry versus Leash. <laughs> they dragged us to Owen Beg, right? They couldn't even play it in Celtic Park, which is a disgrace. Owen Beg. What's going on there? Into the mountains, see how you like that. Into the mountains. <laughs> the psychological warfare has started already. Bringing us to the mountains. This is a very evenly matched. Uh, uh, game. It's a really, really difficult one to call. Like you mean, you'd be edging towards Leach. De- uh, Paddy Power actually have Derry eight to fifteen favourites yeah. and Leach fifteen to eight. I wouldn't see it anything like that. Leach have been in Derry. They were both in Division Four. Leach worked themselves back to Division Two. Derry have worked themselves back to Division Three. I'm not sure on what basis they're maybe Leach getting hammered by me. But like, trust me. That was not an 11-point yeah. hammering. Yeah. It was not. Leash were the better team for a lot of that game. They just couldn't get the scores on the board. I see this as a very 50-50 game. Yeah, so the, um, the only thing I'm just... I think going big is a good shout from a Derry point of view. And people in the city will kill me because Celtic Park is obviously the home ground and people love to see it in there. The players love the pitch, but it's going to be a smaller crowd and this is just a much better atmosphere right. out there. Is that why it's been played there? Because there will be a smaller crowd? They, they, they play a lot of the qualifiers there in fairness, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, the big games would still be Celtic Park, no offence. <laughs> we'll Starting already. Like, you want to <laughs> pin that on the dressing room wall. <laughs> but a team like Leash, you could just go to your own big and it would hold it nicely. Um, no, I think it's a good shout for atmosphere-wise and um, yeah, it's in the middle of the county as well so you probably will get more people coming to it. Um, I think Derry might just age it they're very strong around the middle like they've got Emma Bradley and Pori Cassidy 
wing forward, so it's just extra sort of midfielders and extra running power right. for them, and they're damaging the scoreboard as well. So I think they might just age it because of the home advantage. Yeah, I think Leash are a little bit lightweight in their half, in their two wing backs and their two wing forwards. Probably the two wing backs are very young and very inexperienced, and their two wing forwards are. Uh, they're decent but they're probably I think they're the two weakest potentially links well the two young fellas have potential but I don't like the I don't like those mat- two matchups yeah. that you're after mentioning there I'll go for Leash just because um, it's a 50-50 game and I'm not going to go against Leash when I think it's 50-50 um, what are you going for I have for? to be diplomatic to a fault here Willie I'm going to I'm going to go for a draw Ooh, ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll okay. just tell you Derry's fullback line it's Karen McCaig <laughs> Brendan Rodgers and Niall Keenan one of the best fullback lines that's a good well. fullback yeah. line they'll, bad, need, they'll need to be they'll need to be it's interesting to say I don't want to go on about Donny Kingston because they did enough it'll be interesting to see whether he starts Longford versus Tyrone Longford traditional qualifier giant killers but this might be a giant too far for them they're 8-1 to one at home um, against Tyrone who are 1-14 to 14. can't see anything other than a Tyrone win here lads no, no but those odds are very long for they're for too long yeah. uh, county with the reputation that Longford have in the qualifiers but yeah Tyrone yeah Tyrone right. just to get back onto the horse again Leitrim Clare this is, looks like a good, a good game lads Leitrim are 11-4 to four. they got the home game against the Division 2 team Clare are 4-11 to 11. Um, I fancy Clare but I wouldn't want to put this in my accumulator because nothing would surprise me in this one I think Leitrim will, will give them all they want of it there will be two attacking teams um, you'd imagine Clare will have a little bit too much up front in a high scoring game yeah the only thing I have to go on is Leitrim playing Derry and he just seemed sort of cut a, a couple out and that standard and yeah. I think Clare are better than Derry so we're going to go with Clare yeah and then after that Derry game they lost pretty comprehensively to Roscommon I know they beat Wicklow yeah. afterwards but I think Clare are level above so go yeah, for Clare agreed Westmead Limerick Westmead 1-14 to there's very one-sided games in the, in, in this Westmead 1-14 to Limerick 8-1 to we won't spend too long here lads Westmead are going to win this one Westmead yeah. Westmead yeah. down Mayo so I was reading John Clark. There's a few people tipping or down here to stop the Mayo dream here, Connor. So yeah, they're right down are eleven to two. Mayo are one to eight. Uh, Mayo have to travel away. Traditionally, Mayo are very slow starters in the qualifiers. Very slow. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think that they really were shell shocked in that Roscommon game. This was not part of the script. No. So how James Horan has has tur- has re motivated them. Um, and try to convince them that they're all Ireland contenders after losing a home to Roscommon. It's yeah, not, that's yeah, not an so easy. That's not an easy thing. No, to do. no, Matty Ruan. Matty Ruan broke his collarbone, so he's gone oh, for that, yeah. uh, probably the rest of the summer. Actually, broke it in a, a versus a versus B game. I think last Friday night. I think those odds are very, very, very generous to um, to Mayo, and I think they're very harsh against Down. I'm I'm nearly glad it's in Newry as opposed to McHale Park because Mayo are terrible at McHale Park. But um, I expect it to be exactly like the qualifiers of recent years where they run us really, really close, but I'm giving it to Mayo by less than three points. I think this will be really, really tight. Yeah, I see Mayo scraping over the line here. Like, There's a part of me sees down winning it. Just yeah. to, like, I mean, it's part of this script of James Horn to come back, win the league. <laughs> yeah. like, you could see Mayo, like, no county like Mayo to give you that script. Yeah, and they go into the qualifiers again and, like, you know, having not gotten to the final last year they probably just seem so far away from that standard now and it, like, it, would this be their toughest sort of first qualifier game and they've, I know they've had Derry before but going away to down Paddy Talley's down man at home yeah down yeah, away I think it is, the hardest, think it is yeah. 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 You know, so it's like this, this, like, it's not going to be an ambush because Mayo will know what to expect but like down will be licking their lips at this prospect and it'll be such a like fever atmosphere there 
Late at night. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go with a draw. The ball into Conor Harrison will work against yeah. Mayo because you're not going to have two men standing in front of him. So he'll he'll kind of love it. O'Hare will be down can hurt them. I still, t- Jesus lads, it's it's unthinkable, Connor, to think Mayo. <laughs> oh, please don't say it to me. Will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go for Mayo scraping over the line. Yeah, same as. I'm going to go a draw. Mayo maybe extra time. Right. Okay. All right. So two games left, lads. Offaly Sligo, awfully strong favourites at home to Sligo. I can't see Sligo winning this one. I think Offaly are a good bet, even though it's short odds at two to seven. What do you think? Offaly. Offaly. Yeah. Okay. Last game then, boys. Probably the biggest one, or probably the most even one, is Monaghan against Armagh. Monaghan are four to seven favourites. Armagh seven to four. This match is in Clonus. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is in Clonus, and. Uh, uh, we don't have time to analyse this, lads, because we've gone over the hour and I have a phone call to make here now. Uh, <laughs> for the show, have to ring Paddy. Have to ring Paddy from Paddy Power. He's waiting on the, he's waiting on the line. So I'm looking at Mon. I'm going to I'm going to go for Monaghan. I'm going to go against Armagh for the first time this year to let me down against Cavan. I thought to make the step up and they didn't. So I don't think yeah. they're good enough to beat Monaghan if they're not good enough to beat Cavan in two, in two games. If that is down too much, I'm going with Monaghan as well. Yeah, just about. All yeah. right. Okay, brilliant stuff, lads. Like I said, Joe from Paddy Power is waiting on the line so we'll talk to him next Paddy from Paddy Power now not the, not the, not the Paddy from Paddy Power but Paddy from Paddy Power how's it going yeah, not too bad, Colin. My uh, my wage check doesn't say that I'm the Paddy Power, all right? <laughs> when, yeah. when you say your name's Paddy and you work in Paddy Power, do do people get excited? Oh, full time, yeah. The whole like <laughs> they, they just look at me as the CEO of the whole thing, you know that kind of way. But like I say now, if I had a few more quid, I'd be happy enough now. If I was like Paddy and if I was globe trotting and going to Royal Ascot and stuff, I'd be in better form. Yeah, definitely. Come here. So we're going to start with my GER accumulator, and like I mean, my confidence is on the floor here. But hopefully, we can um, we can do something this weekend. Yeah, hopefully now. I, I have to say I'm opposing you in one of them, but look, okay. we'll, 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 try our, we'll try our best to, um, to get over the line. Anyway, it's Dublin minus 12, Donegal minus 3, Monaghan and Derry all to win. So that was 8 to 1, so we're going to enhance that to 10 to 1 on the site. So we're going to try and get this one over the line for the boys anyway. All right, OK. Which one do you oppose as a matter of interest? Yeah, I think Mead. I, I, I think there might be goals in the Mead game, and I think if Mead, if they manage to score two goals, which I actually think they will against Dublin, I think it's going to be hard for them to uh, get past the, the the thirteen points that they're going to need. But it'll be an interesting one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, you have some power prices here as well. Yeah, we do. So we've Dublin minus twelve, um, Kerry minus six, and Mayo minus six all to win. That's eight to one on the site. And just for the two big games on Sunday then as well, at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, we've Dublin and Donegal for both teams to score first, lead at half-time and win. It's obviously going to be a warm order for the Dublin side of it, so if you can get Donegal over the line there as well, that's going to be 4-1. to one. Uh, one interesting one that we had up as well that we hope we'll hopefully will take a bit of interest on, it's um, Dublin to score the most goals in this weekend's, and all of this weekend's football matches, so all the qualifiers and the provincial finals as well, but these, it's a loser if they tie in goals, so if they just score right. the clear amount of goals, if they score five goals and you know the closest might be somebody like Derry who can score two, then that's five to one. So hopefully, um, if people can see a bit of value in that, and if Dublin go wild like they get against Louth, there's, there's there's a chance that they can surpass everyone else in the weekend. Yeah. And the last one that we have is Cormac Costello and Paddy McBrearty. So the pair of them to score fifteen or more points between them, we're going to offer three to one on that. Cause Costello looks to be on the freeze. Um, I'd say he'll keep them this weekend, and obviously McBrearty as well. He's going to take the. He's going to. 
hopefully do the Lions share the score only goal as well up north yeah you'd imagine that's a very good bet right if when both will be on the freeze McBrearty will be on them on one side and Costello will be on them for you know most of them so like yeah I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly, and and the way the way Costello has been shooting the lights out as well, I think he's averaging about eight or nine points a game. Anyway, that's before he had a good goal chance. Obviously, he scored a goal against uh, Loud and a good goal chance against um, uh, Kildare. So goals are going to count for this bet as well. So definitely, if you fancy the two boys, I think that's a that's a good way to go this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. So we'll go into the provincial finals then, where we spend uh, our most of our time. So Kerry one to seven, Cork eleven to two. Um, you know, after last year's hammering, Kerry are obviously it's reflected in the in the price. Is the handicap only six points? That's uh, that's not bad for from a Kerry point of view to be able to beat six. Yeah, definitely. I think at the start, it's definitely at the end of the year uh, or at the end of the league. If you looked at this match, you would have thought the handicap was going to be a little bit bigger, all right. But Kerry, for long periods in that in in the first half of that clear game, they looked like they were really going to kick on, and they looked like they could. You know, it, we were kind of a twelve point handicap that day. It looked like they were going to surpass that fairly easily, but. It just um, it, it was an interesting kind of a, a an insight into Kerry how Kerry or Claire just hung around in the game. They just stayed going in that second half. Um, got a few of their scores on the on on, on the ball. James O'Donnell who went off injured and Kerry really didn't kick on that second half at all. It's going to be a very different game. Obviously the conditions are going to be different down in Parky Cueve. But the one thing that I was looking at the Cork team that was named and like I mean. It just Cork have only one option in this game, I think, and that's just to go out and literally try and shoot the lights out. They only scored two four last year, but they had what two one scored in the first six or seven minutes. They're going to have to score. They've shown against Limerick, and they've shown a couple of times in the league that they didn't have a great league, but they can score. They've a lot of scorers there: Mark Collins, Brian Hurley. Um, obviously started the championship very well. I think they do have scores. I think it's down the other end. Or Cork are really, really going to struggle. I can see it being a very high scoring match if Cork kind of hang around in there long enough who is going to be injured as well maybe they can stay within the six I'd probably be on the carry side of it myself but you know in Parky Cueve with that firepower that Cork have you'd think they'd be hoping to kind of hit their mark at 16-17 points maybe Yeah Stephen O'Brien first goal scorer 10 to 1 looks like a, a decent um, bet there we'll move on to the Dublin uh, meet game so Jesus hard to find a good bet in this one is it Paddy? It, yeah, it was kind of tricky, all right. The one thing I did kind of come down upon was I thought that I think Andy McIntyre is one option here, which is basically just to go completely gung-ho and just try and score as much as, as, much as they can. And in fairness to me, like, they do have good scores in the team. They're going to have Graham Riley coming off the bench. Um, that direct ball into Newman is going to be something that they're really going to look to get, make a bit of hay from. And Brian Menton as well. Like, if they're really stuck... You can see him kind of drifting in and being a bit of a target man in that second half. They have a couple of scores as well. I mean, the likes of their halfback line. If you were giving out um, All-Stars at the minute, Donald Keoghan's probably one of the first names on the list. Like, he's playing really, really good football. James McIntyre can score from distance. So I don't think they're going to have that much of a problem scoring against Dublin. And I think they will have a bit of a goal threat as well if they just go as direct as they can. Like, this is what Leinster has come to, you know. Like, I mean, a success for me would be maybe to stay within the handicap of 12 points. I think they can do it. And one one game, but one, like, I, I, I've no question that Dublin are going to win the match. And one guy I thought, uh, Adam Man, the match price at 12 to 1, James McCarthy, I thought was a good bet. I think he's a good bet for footballer of the year as well. He's been knocking on the door long enough and he's a, he's, he's, he's a massive player for Dublin. I think it's it's a game that's really going to suit him as well. You're not a Mead man by any chance, are you? Paddy? I am not. No, I'm a Gawler man now. All oh, right, okay. I, uh, 
You're no, very not, you're not. very optimistic about me there. I'm just wondering. Yeah, absolutely. There is a couple of people as well. There's myself and, and David in the office here. The two of us seem to fancy meet a bit more. And then the dubs around the office think that it's going to be another cakewalk and they'll win by 15 or 16. But I do think that the, I, I do think they can cause Dublin trouble. I think the only way you can get at Dublin is really to attack that full back line. It's probably the only way at the minute. And I think I think a team like me and, and definitely later in the summer, Donegal, could give them something to think about like in, in definitely handicap context, context anyway because you know Leash and, t- and more so Westmead than the last couple of years have shown when you go out and try and contain them you're at nothing you know you're just going to get hammered either way Yeah exactly so Donegal Cavan we've gone through the odds on this one um, no Cavan goals is 5-4 to four, which isn't a bad one yeah, definitely not a bad bet at all. Like in four of their league games, they scored no goals. I think they got three against Roscommon. There was a bit of an anomaly. Like they've, you, it's it's hard to even in the in the Armagh games and in the um the game against Monaghan to even remember that many goal scoring chances that they had. Like they they the Martin Riley penalty, but I like they are a lot of their scores are kind of coming from distance from McFeety, from um, Garage McKiernan. And I just don't think that creating enough goal chances, um, Tron created a few, but didn't score against the goal. Obviously for Manor were at nothing as well in that regard. And I definitely thought no goals for Cavan at five to four was a decent bet. And one guy who I thought was very, very good against, um, Tyrone was Owen Bond Gallagher. I'd him back to score a goal in the match and he broke my heart. He, he gave the, the pass for Brennan's goal and <laughs> he cut out a goal as well in the last minute. He just he handed off to Steve McMenamin. Oh, he was yeah. looking for the return, never came back to him. But he's he's 18 to 1 for man the match. He's uh, He'll be around 12 or 14 to 1 anytime uh, for a goal on our side as well. And I think he's just a, he's a, he's a fellow playing the top of his game at the minute. Yeah, okay. So we have a few qualifiers here. There's four qualifiers. You might run through them here for us. Yeah, well, of course. That you want yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So Mayo down. That's going to be the big one on on Saturday night. And I was just going through Mayo's like for the last couple of years since the start of two thousand seventeen. It's very interesting with Mayo. There was there's been seven games since that in the championship where they've been minus handicaps. And they've not only not covered the handicap, but they actually haven't won the match. Right. So they've covered the handicap in five games, but there's been a lot of games like Derry, where they were six-point favourites, Cork, where they were five-point favourites, Kildare, three-point favourites, the Rossies this year, where they were five-point favourites. Then they they actually, like, they haven't covered the handicap, but they actually they haven't won the match. So they've drawn right. two of those games, lost two of them. So I think I think Mayo are vulnerable favourites, and they look very, very short to me here. I, the, the bet I came down to, and I, I, I think down, draw, no bet at five to one. So obviously, if the game is a draw, you get your money back. If down, win at five to one. I, I think it's a really, really tricky tie for Mayo. And um, yeah, I think they could be a little bit vulnerable here. Pat Haveron as well for the first goal is nine to one. He played very well against Tip, and he got his goal against... Um, Armagh as well so like yeah there's tradition up there with Down as well they've they've Corey Quinn came off the bench last year like they seem to have found a player or two and I think it's a really really slippery game for Mayo yeah the six point handicap's very good I didn't realise it was that high um, we were thinking Mayo would scrape over the line so we have Monaghan and Armagh then which is a little bit closer what do you think is sticking out at you here yeah, Armagh halftime full time was the one that I kind of came upon. I think if Armagh are going to win this game, they're going to do it like like that. Like they've had a bit of a wobble in games, which is which has been worrying from Armagh point of view, where they've kind of especially that down game and even the Cavan game, the first Cavan game, where they really should have kicked on and win the match. I think if they are going to win games, they're only going to do it one way. So halftime full time four to one, I thought was was. Um, 
a decent bet and I thought Andrew Mernon as well for first goal of 15-2 to two. like he was kind of I got the sense that he might have been rushed back a little bit um, from that down game into the first Cavan game I think with a little with a little bit more minutes into his legs and that kind of stuff that he's um, he's going to be a decent threat as well I'm not too sure about Monaghan it's the wheels may be falling off a little bit if they can get back on the horse they're going to be contenders but this is a tricky tricky tie for them I think It definitely is Paddy come here thanks very much No hassle all right, so that's it, lads. That's always time for it. We'll be back on Monday with a review show. Loads to review, so we'll talk to you then. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal scorer gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.